0: In this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, I drive to North Wales, not unusual, in an MG, that's unusual, and this one's electric, very unusual. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed, I'm Gareth. And I'm on my way to North Wales, as you know, yes, oops, getting used to the lane assist in this car, which is an MG4 SE Long Range. There are three models in the MG4 range and I've got the middleest one, which has actually got the longest range. There's a car above this called the Trophy which comes with a bit more spec and a bit less performance in terms of efficiency and all that, because this is a battery electric vehicle, a BEV, an MGB EV. That's what they should have called it, although it's not an MGB in any description whatsoever. That was a two-door sports car, and this one is a five-door hatch about the size of a Golf, I suppose. And why am I in this car? Well, I think it's because MG might just be cool again. It's been a while, hasn't it? They've been inching back from the abyss. You know the story. They were snapped up by SAIC, the Shanghai Automotive Concern who took what was left of MG Rover. They carried on building Rovers as ROWers, R-O-W-E. That was the nearest they could get because they bought Rover, but they didn't own the brand. But they did own the MG brand, and they carried on making some pretty, let's be honest, low rent, cheap, good value cars for many years. And allegedly building them in Birmingham, but we know that they weren't really building them, they were just slapping on badges. They were built in China. And China has kind of had a reset button in terms of cars. Let me explain. When Russia were the first to put a satellite in space, and the first to put a human in space, and the first to walk in space, And the first to fly two people in space, then America got really worried that the Soviet Union, as it was known then, was going to win the space race. So they set a higher bar. They said, well, it was Kennedy who said in his inaugural speech to Congress, I think in, when was it? 63? We choose to go to the moon, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's pretty much how he said it. And what that did was offer a reset, because whilst the Soviet Union knew how to get people off the planet, America said, well, let's go for an even higher, more complex goal, and that would level the playing field. And that's what's happened to the Chinese automotive industry. What was the last Chinese-built car with an internal combustion engine that you thought was good? Good question, eh? But there are plenty of Chinese-built EVs that are arguably as good as European, American, Korean-designed and built vehicles. So the playing field has been leveled. China stands a better chance of overtaking Western, if you want to call it that, automotive engineering because of a move to EVs. Now, MG have been making EVs for a few years. There's an EV version of their middle sized hatch, is it called the ZS? As an EV. They also make the MG5 EV, which you see everywhere in london lots of cab drivers like the mg5 it's an electric estate car i think the only one on sale in the uk a pure electric estate car and by that i mean a low roof long-bodied car not a crossover not an suv not a electric car as we've come to know them but an estate car and It was quite good. My friend Mike Peters had one when he did a walk. He walked from North to South Wales with his partner, Jules, and a bunch of other people. And the support car for that trip was an MG5. And it worked really well for them. They didn't have to do more than something like 50 or 60 miles a day, probably less. So they probably charged overnight at the hotels that they were staying in on the walk, which I think took maybe five days or something like that, if memory serves. I might see Mike, uh, because I'm going up to North Wales to see him and my mate's been a bit poorly recently, so I think I'll go and see him and I'll ask him about his electric car experience while I see him. So MG have been making electric cars for a while now, but I think this is their first cool electric car. I think the MG5 looked really boring. It looked like a Volkswagen Passat from about 10 or 15 years ago in three-quarter scale. It was really boring. It really had lots of Volkswagen design cues. Now Volkswagen do massive sales in China and have built cars in China since the dawn of the modern China. So maybe that's why they borrowed from Volkswagen, an established brand in china but mg means a lot less in china it probably means a lot more in europe than it does in china so they've been wild with the design of this car have you seen the mg5 it's very different to the mg4 it's a a hatch a tall hatch and it looks bonkers i first noticed one when i was going along the eastern road in london a couple of months ago and it was one of those what the heck is that moments When you see a car and you go, wow, did I just see a Lotus Electra or something? It had a pointy nose and a very detailed rear end. Those are the two signature aspects of the design of this car, the MG5. It's got a pointy nose. Not very MG, but very distinctive. And the rear end is as fussy, I'm going to describe it as fussy, as fussy as... A current generation Prius, and I don't mean the new one that was announced in the last month. It's a bit fussy, but I kind of like it. I don't like the fussiness of the rear end of the Prius. I do like the fussiness of the rear end of the MG4. Have a look at it. It's fascinating. Can't quite work out what it is. I would call it a notchback. You know, when you've got a... Actually, no, I'm not going to call it a notchback. I'm going to call it a bustleback do you remember when the ford escort came out with a little sort of notch to the rear beyond the hatch and i think they called it a bustleback i think this car is an mg bustleback it's good it's good they've got amazing sort of body cladding on the lower aspects of the side of this car which change its profile they hide its height they hide the slab sidedness of the doors they cut into it and make it look a bit more low roofy, and I like that I think that's, that's good it's similar in that aspect to the Toyota CHR Chris is that what I used to call it that was kind of a high car masquerading as a low car it worked yeah that worked and this does too I kind of like the look of it I thought it? what is it discovered it was the MG and discovered that it was a ruddy bargain, and that's this car's USB. The MG4 starts around, I think, twenty-five thousand pounds in the UK. I'll check that against the details I have for the car written down when I get a chance, when I stop and recharge it, because I will have to charge it, because this car was delivered to me with eighty-three percent charge. I think it had which is perfectly acceptable and the range of this model of this car is officially 281 with a usable 253 I think that's what they said and I'm on my way to North Wales from London but I'm going via Liverpool and the range of this car it said it had 202 miles and the distance to Liverpool was 207 miles which means I'm gonna go for a fast charge Somewhere about halfway, when I've done about 100 120 miles, I'll see if I can find a charger that can dump some energy into this pretty quickly because that's the second USP of this car. It's a bargain. This version I'm in I think is £31,000, possibly 28 pounds I'll check that. And I know the Trophy can be something like £33,000, so it's a middle-priced car, but it will charge quick. It will charge at 150 kilowatts. I think this has got a 64 kilowatt-hour battery, which means I should be able to charge it from 20 to 80% in, what, 20 minutes or something like that? There should be enough time to go and have a week, cup of coffee and eat my exotic vegetarian sandwich, but more on that later. First impressions of the car, fab. It's not a premium car, it's distinctive. I parked outside my house while I was configuring the navigation on this car. Oh and more on that, that's a slight downside, the navigation, but I'll tell you about that when we've stopped. But I was parked outside the house and one of my neighbours said, Oh, where'd you get this posh car from? Isn't it posh? Interesting. People acquaint a car that they haven't seen before as posh. And it's in white, which I don't think is the best colour for this car. I think this car is very colour dependent. The one I saw was orange. And it stood out like one of those damsons I've got in my sandwich bag really amazing this is white white's a bit bland you know of course if you want to judge any cars design look at it in white my Sora was a white car and I thought that looked very elegant in white this car looks a bit eh, appliancey in white in a brighter color it would look better but as a car it's fine I'm comfortable oh my gosh the steering wheel I'm thinking as this car is an MG related to Morris and Austin you know it's allowed to have a funny shaped steering wheel Austin Morris Rover MG you've got a bit of the previous in that do you remember the Quartic steering wheel in the Allegro which was actually a success they sold loads of Allegro it was a terrible car but that Quartic steering wheel I loved it this car has got what I'm going to call an Octic steering wheel an Octic steering wheel by the same measure yeah it's pretty much octagonal not quite pretty much it's rounded on the sides flat at the top but it's definitely mirroring the famous octagonal badge of MG so fair enough nice little bit of design flair there in the steering wheel I'm gonna go with that that's very happy I kind of like it I'll tell you more on the interior and the ergonomics and all that a little bit later but for the moment that's it that's my introduction to a very interesting car which I'm very happy to be driving for the next week. I hope you enjoy my discovery of modern MG. 5.30 on a dark evening, a Wednesday, in Corley. I'm at Corley Services. I stopped, not because I needed to charge the car, It's because I needed a (laughs) Wii. This car's got a better range than my bladder. There you go. There's a strap line for this program. A car with a better range than Gareth's bladder. Don't you love charging in the 2020s? It's much easier than it was when I first started doing it. I turned up, I had a choice of chargers at Corley. Gridserve now run the electric highway which was an utter disaster when it was run by ecotricity sorry maybe a disaster is unfair they were very bold but it was quite unreliable but there is a row of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 7, 8 instavolt fairly rapid chargers available here so I went straight for one of those it said start charging swipe a credit card I did I pulled out the cable, I plugged it in the socket, started charging at 50 kilowatts, which is great, that's what you need, isn't it? Uh, At the moment it's charged me £11.80 for 15.75 kilowatt hours of charging it says it's going to be 38 minutes before it's fully charged to 100 percent now i don't need all that because i'm going to liverpool on my way to north wales and i'm going to meet my son indy i'm going to go for dinner so i'm going to put the car on charge while we're having dinner there and that'll do me for north wales that's the advantage of rapid charges you just need a bit of a charge you don't have to fill it up all the way just to get you where you're going to go the range on the car I, i think i gave you some bad information earlier on the range on the car was five miles more than i needed for my destination so i would have made it but it would have been critical five miles you don't want five miles on your electric car no you want maybe 10 or 12 as a spare don't you so i thought i'll have a bit of a splash and dash or a squirt and shirt or, no, that's not right, is it? What would you say with electrons? A charge and empty the bladder. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm doing that and I've now got 73% of my battery charge. I had, I think, 50% when I... In and I've been here less than 20 minutes, so that's put 23% of the battery charge in while I've been here. That's very good, it's very good. It's actually charging at 31 kilowatts at the moment, so I'm not getting the full 50 kilowatt charge. There are other vehicles here. There's a what is that, Peugeot? No, it isn't. What do they call the van version of the Leaf? the uh, EV200 is that what it is it's a DPD zero emissions delivery vehicle and I'm walking over to it to see what it is what is it it is a Nissan yeah is it called the EV200 their little van and there's a Polestar 2, parked next to me looking very mean with its big wheels, chunky oversized wheels, looks like it could do the Dakar, love the Polestar, need to drive one of those, but I'm very happy with my green machine, oh yes, yes, <laughs> green machine, I'll explain, I've just eaten, because the thing to do isn't it, while you're charging is to eat rather than eat while you're driving perhaps, is what you do when you go a petrol car, so I had an amazing sandwich and In response to the one person who wrote a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes about Gareth Jones on Speed, he complained about me going on about my vegetarianism all the while. Really? Is that something I've mentioned more than twice over the, what, 17 years we've been doing this programme? Maybe not, but I've just had a lovely sandwich. It's got nothing to do with vegetarianism. You can eat this whatever you eat. It was a vegan chorizo and Melanazia di Soprano sandwich. Now, Melanazia di Soprano is one of my recipes, something that was given to me in uh, inspiration from watching the Sopranos they're always talking about their food and they had aubergine melanzane, as they call it in Italian so I did this grilled aubergine thing oh, I've got to see my grilled aubergines they look amazing and then they're marinated for 12 hours in lemon garlic chili parsley and a little bit of mustard and some salt and pepper and it is the tastiest thing you will ever, ever have and really spicy, lots of chilli so I had one of those and I washed it down with a green machine one of those green berry drinks that have probably got something called spirulina in it or spinach I don't even know what spirulina is but I had one of those and I've put in 25% of a charge I'm going to wait till I've got 80% why the heck not another 5% and then I'll be on my way but yep, big up the instavolt charging network not quite charging at the pace at which this car can charge if it wants i believe up to 150 i think i've said that already but that would be amazing that would be i watch the car glow when i charge it at that rate if i can find a really fast charger i will i think that would be a good thing to do a good part of the charging experience to see just how rapid that sort of charging experience is but for now Charging it now thirty point eight kilowatts. It's not rapid, but it's good enough. It's good enough with a car with this sort of range. I'm just sort of not brimming, am I? I'm topping up. Topping up. Cas, yes, top top. Oh, another Polestar 2 has just turned up in a nice sort of duck egg grey. It's nice that we're reversing into our charging points now. Some cars have their charging points on the nose, the Nissans do, and on the front flank. But this MG and both the Polestars have got their charging points where you might expect the fuel filler to be at the rear of the car. So you can't sit in your car and look at the screen of your charger and observe the charging as it's going on. That's the only downside of that, but hey, I'm charging. I'm happy. Now I'm gonna charge off to Liverpool. Gareth, don't jump speed! Hello, welcome to 65 miles per hour on the M6 going north. And isn't it quiet? I was reminded of something that Alex Goy said. On the last edition of Gareth Jones on Speed when he was driving that Aura funky cat he said it was really noisy at motorway speeds so most of that was tyre noise and it made me think how can it be noisy apart from the tyres obviously because electric cars are silent unless they're badly aerodynamically designed really you don't really hear anything from the transmission whatsoever and as you know many electric cars will make an audible whine for pedestrians to be aware of them at low speeds but here we are it's 64 miles per hour and just have a listen to how quiet this car is in half a mile use the left lane to take the exit towards m6 toll a460 yeah ignore that by the way ignore that (laughs) right just listen to how quiet it is And the wipers are going you can't even hear the wipers use the left lane to take the exit towards m6 toll no i'm not going to take the toll road today i don't need to traffic is moving i'm going to ignore that so why was that aura funky cat so noisy perhaps it was because it had what do they call high rolling resistance tires perhaps and does that mean that this car has low rolling resistance tyres. I don't know the tyre spec. I rather suspect that they are 17 inch wheels on this car. I'm gonna have a look at the spec later on. But perfectly good ride by the way. Quiet, very smooth. A little on the bouncy side. Could do a slightly better damping perhaps but maybe that's a function of having a 64 kilowatt battery on board. That you've got a bit of extra mass that you need to damp down so you need heavier springs and better damping maybe maybe but yeah a little bouncy but not bad at all it's rear-wheel drive this car the motor is on the rear wheels and do you remember when we used to build hatchbacks that were front-wheel drive and that was the way ahead now with electric cars you might as well stick your motor in the boot you know on that I'd heard that the MG4 has a disappointing capacity but I didn't find that at all I opened it up I put in all my gear and some stuff I'm dropping off in Liverpool on the way plenty of room perfectly equivalent to I'd say a golf or a focus size boot yeah absolutely fine this car pretty good well good so far MG4 update. I'm on the A55, the main road from North Wales to, well, the rest of the world really. I went into Liverpool. I charged up when I got to Liverpool. I went for some noodles with my son Indy and in the I don't know, 40 minutes or less than that, I came back to the car. It charged it up to 97% using a Podpoint charger on Edge Lane in Liverpool. I think that's where it was, by the little. That worked very easily. And when I arrived there there was an Uber driver who had a Skoda Enyaq that he was charging. When I arrived I went, oh no, there's only one charging machine. He can only use one. He said, I'll only be ten minutes, he said. And he was five minutes. And also pointed out to me that there are restrictions on how long you can leave your car parked and charging at this point. One hour maximum. Uh, bless him for pointing that out. There's a real sense of camaraderie still amongst EV users at charge points. I know this because before I left Corley services, Chapu arrived in the Polestar 2, that nice sort of duck egg grey one, Got out the car and we immediately started up a conversation about the joys of EV driving. His name was Vaughan. He was from Tawply in Cheshire and sounded very like me, just the other side of the border from my part of North East Wales. And he was a great advocate of electric cars. And he wasn't a car enthusiast. He said, "No, I, you know, I bought the Polestar because." it was a very good device that did what i needed it to do i didn't know anything about it at all but it just works for me and that's great you know that evs don't have to be just for enthusiasts they can be very simple to run he reckons he gets i think he said 260 miles out of his on average and he was telling me he'd just come from east anglia and he was on his way back to cheshire another typical day for a pole star two driver so evs they're everywhere now aren't they and I asked him about rapid charging he didn't know just how fast a charge his pole star could take because he's never used an ultra rapid charger most of the time he charges at home That's the joy of living in rural Cheshire you've got off street parking you can get the most out of that good luck to him, well done it's a great way forward electric cars aren't the future are they they are now They're here right now. I was just driving past my hometown, Hollywell, Trefannan in Welsh, where I grew up the first 18 years of my life. And my father came to mind, being a Hollywellian, he spent most of his adult life there, he wasn't from there originally. But my father was an electronics engineer and a great believer in technology. It's one of the reasons I'm interested in engineering and science and technology, if not the reason. And I would love to be able to have a conversation with my father about electric cars. I can hear his voice. I know what he'd said. Well, he had a slight lisp, slight, slight, not a lisp, but a whistle, slight whistle, and actually a Doncaster accent, because he spent most of his life in Doncaster, in Yorkshire, before he moved back to Wales. And I say to him, Dad, Dad, what, what do you think about electric cars? And I can hear him say, well... It's a very good idea but uh, we're going to need better batteries if they sort out the battery problem they'll sort out the electric car problem The recharging you have to be able to charge them very really quickly don't know if we know how to do that because we used to fly radio controlled aircraft together my father and i and we had to do a lot of recharging of NICADs in those days nickel cadmium batteries which ran our radio control equipment the receiver and servos on board the aircraft which were largely gliders but we also had internal combustion engine powered methanol powered model aircraft didn't have any electric aircraft but this was way back in in the 80s, my father died in 1983 when I was 22 so he wasn't around to see the great advances in mobile phones and batteries and communication and travel and transport which has happened in the 40 years now since he died Yeah, nearly 40 years He would have been a 100 years old Kenneth Gordon Jones This August It would have been his 100th birthday He never lived beyond 60 unfortunately But it was great When he was here And you can actually thank him for this podcast, Kenneth Gordon-Jones if it wasn't him and his interest in science, engineering technology, aviation, electronics and the world that wouldn't have been my interest and I would never have made this podcast, so as I drive past Hollywell in an electric car, I salute Ken Jones, oh by the way probably hear occasional beeping that's me fighting with the lane assistants, trying to keep it on the lane, the correct lane I'm cruising at 65 miles per hour I'm in no hurry, it's nice and quiet it's a very quiet car this listen, how quiet it is you can just hear the hot rolled asphalt by the way, this bit of road I'm travelling on, about 5 miles back, I designed it I think I've told you that before, the Hulking Bypass that was my job when I left school designing roads, just driven on it in an electric car anyway, I was going to say I'm wearing a flat cap partially in tribute to my father, Kenneth Gordon-Jones, who also wore a flat cap like this. But largely because I'm driving an MG. And if you're going to drive an MG, you've got to have a flat cap, haven't you? Or is that the old image of MG? Am I carrying a lot of brand image and tradition with a brand that's moved on? And here's another thought. When was the last cool MG? Now, the little one, is it the MG3? Is that what it's called, the MG Hatchback? I think that's quite cool. That's a pretty good bit of kit. But the last cool MGs, I think, would have been during the end of the MG Rover tenure, when, was it, were they called the Phoenix Group, who ran it into the ground? But the, the last cool MG may have been either the MG ZTT, the Zhangtum Tum Tum, for those of us of a certain age, which was an estate version of the Rover 75 body shell that MG shared at the time. And Zog and I went to Le Mans, I think in 2002. And we went in an MG because MG were racing at Le Mans at the time because one of the shareholders in MG Rover at the time were the people who owned the Lola brand. So there was a car running called the MG Lola 257. Was it called the EX 257, perhaps? A lightweight LMP that was probably as much an MG as I am an Irishman. (laughs) Well, I'm a Celt. So, yeah, association. So, yeah, there was association between the MG-badged Lola Chersey and the people who owned MG cars, road cars. That was a very cool car, and a very successful car, if I remember as well. It ran in the American Le Mans series very successfully after that. But they always missed something out. That car had a very visible sort of snout to it. That was pretty square. And I don't know why they didn't make it octagonal. That whole snout should have been octagonal. They should have hammered home the MG brand while they could with the MG Octagon right on the nose. It did, as someone pointed out on Twitter the other day when I published a picture of it, they pointed out well it did match the road cars. And I think that's more important. Yeah, that was one of the last cool MGs. Unless you count the MG... What was it called now? The MG X-Power SV, which used to be uh, De Tomaso uh, Bigua, I think. And it had a Ford V8 engine in it, which they then also put in a big Rover, didn't they? The Rover 75 had that engine in, I think, if you wanted. Did they do an MG version as well? They might well have done. They may well have done an MG with that big X-Power engine. They were cool cars, not the most reliable cars in the world. They looked bang on and they had all the performance. How well built they were is moot. I would imagine that this MG is far better built than those. Because they're building a lot of them, aren't they? The more you build, the more you get to debug what the issues might be in manufacturing. And the Chinese... Well, is it one of the biggest car markets in the world now? So they're building plenty of cars there. And the more you build, it's like practice, isn't it? Practice makes perfect. The more you build, the better you get at it. And now MG, even though it's a British brand, they're a Chinese manufacturer. So that actually might be a good thing. This car is a good thing. MG4 update on the A55 again the North Wales expressway. I've been in North Wales for three days, four days now mainly eating and drinking but we're not eating and drinking in the day. I was scooting around in the MG4 charging it, using it visiting family and stuff and driving it and here's the thing, here's the thing I've discovered it's an MG. What do I mean by that? It's a great drive. The very first moment I came off the North Wales Expressway and went round the wonderful one-way system and roundabouts and what have you that lead into Conway, the car came alive. It was fascinating. I just gripped and didn't roll. And that's where this slightly jiggly ride Comes from it's clearly sprung and damped for a little bit of going around the cornerness, a sporting sort of car. So it's two things, you know. It's quite a capable, almost self-driving. No, it's not self-driving. It's level two plus driver assistance. Is that what we call it? Because it's got lane control. It's got all the adaptive cruise control. But when if you come out of that mode and actually. If there's a downside to this car, I've been experimenting with the lane assistance and the lane reminder and all that. It's a little bit aggressive and it does panic occasionally, this car. If you are going along a dual carriageway or a motorway and the road has an exit lane to the left and you get a gap in the green cat's eyes in the road... It absolutely wants to get off the road that you're on. No, no, we're going that way, Gareth. That's definitely what we're doing. That's the deal. And you have to snatch back the steering wheel. So that's just something that you have to adapt to. You know, all systems are different. This one isn't quite as refined as it is in a number of cars I've driven. But it's still a bargain car, you know, but it's a driving car sorry, I've come down because I was very excited about that, it's a proper driving car because the motor's over the rear wheel and it's rear wheel drive, it's got a rear wheel sort of feel to it and exiting from roundabouts is glorious and it's a joy and you know that thing I was slightly concerned about, the slightly jittery is the wrong word, so it's bouncy is a better word, for the ride I think that, that is a fair trade-off I-, I think you perhaps notice that more because it's such a refined car it's such a quiet car because the absence of a motor but when I was three up driving around with some friends it was noticeably softer of course and less bouncy so you know if you're going to drive it on your own yeah you can deal with the bounciness because you're going to hurl it around a bit more quickly than when you're carrying passengers and when you carry passengers it damps down a little bit so yeah yeah it's got some good qualities (laughs) i am frustrated by my inability to work out how to change drive modes in this car normal eco or sport the only way to do it is via the lovely big touchscreen, big 10.5-inch touchscreen, but it runs on Android Auto. You've got to come out of that, go to the home screen, go to the car settings, find the drive mode and do that. I can't find a button or a lever anywhere on the car that is obvious okay. that will do that. There is a second screen. This is what I like. I I'd love the second screen, with, You know, the dash behind the steering wheel. It's 4x3. Which is kind of cute and retro, four by three. When was the last time you saw a four by three screen? Everything is what sixteen by nine or twenty-one by nine these days. And I, I kind of like that sort of retro TV feel about it. It's kind of yeah, minimalist, cool. And there's a lot of data on there. You know, my accumulated distance, average economy or performance from the batteries on board. And there is a blue piece of text at the bottom that says normal. If I could work out how to scroll left and right through that to go to Eco mode or to Sport mode, and there probably is, but I simply cannot find it. You know, I like cars to be intuitive. I say this all the time. So I looked it up. One of the options on the main info screen on the car is user manual. So I accessed that and he said no files available so I couldn't find them there's no paper manual in the car he said double check it there's a very basic one but no I've looked through that one the other thing that's funny and it isn't a problem in any way whatsoever for anyone who's going to buy an MG4 I would imagine but for me it's a slight issue that for some reason when it's on Android Auto I get a piece of text right in the middle of the screen here that says pre-production hardware not for resale (laughs) right in the middle I've tuned it out, I don't see it anymore but occasionally it does actually get in the way of what you're trying to read on your Google Maps screen that's the only downside pretty much everything else about this car really good really good like I said I think before, the first cool MG for a very long time and it is cool (laughs) If I've understood this correctly I've been getting an average of 3.5 miles per kilowatt hour during the entire time I've been driving this car. Now I think that's a pretty good number isn't it? I don't know what the most efficient electric cars at the moment are but I bet it's not cars with twin motors and big cars, I bet it's smaller medium, you know, there's an optimum point, isn't there? Too small can't make it efficient, too big can't make it efficient, in the middle there's an optimum I bet this is it, I have seen it say 3.7 at some point, but I've never seen it go below 3.4 so I'm guessing those are figures from each tank so I'm looking at an average of about 3.5 miles per kilowatt hour, good eh? Good, that's pretty good, downsides there aren't many with this car I can only really think of one and it's not really a big problem at all really if you think about it one of the ways in which I think MG are keeping the sticker price down on this car is by limiting stuff on board you know there's no electric seat adjustment fine absolutely fine with me there's no sat nav you have to use your android auto okay over time i could configure that and with you know Zetmap paid for that would work but the one thing that i do wish it had which it doesn't have and i bet the trophy model the model above this probably has it and that is a rear camera it has no rear camera it's got some nice little beepers and that's fine it's not a big car it's a short car but the rear vision it's okay but I don't know this car well enough to know exactly where the corners are and I don't want them make a mistake and it's amazing how much you get used to cameras when you've got them so if you can manage with a relatively short car without a rear view camera then that's not a problem so that's how MG save money you know what they say you pay your money, it takes your choice it's a cheap car sir so it's pretty cheap, it really is It's cheap and very cheerful the other downside and again it's not a massive one is that this car has what can only be described as a I don't know, a, a plinth or a, like a writing desk jutting out below the central infotainment screen you've got your gear selector you've got a horizontal shelf sticking out it's a shelf and on there is your uh, i was going to say gear stick but it's not your dial which selects reverse neutral or drive and your electric handbrake now underneath there you've got usb connectors and a good old-fashioned cigar lighter or a 12 volt socket i think they call it and a bit of stowage space down there including your cup holders and you know what if you want to get down there you're navigating underneath this table edge that's sticking out it's not the best bit of design ain't the end of the world but I wouldn't have done it that way if I was designing it Here's a few thoughts on the electric car charging network experience over this trip. I was kind of okay in North Wales. I found a number of really fast chargers that dumped it in at an incredible rate. I'm very happy with that. And I was relying on a charger at a place near my sister's. It's a hotel called the... Beaufort Park Hotel and I was relying on picking up my sister, going to the hotel, sticking the car on charge having a bite to eat with her and then the car would be charged, it would take about 45 minutes or an hour or something and unfortunately could I get that charger to work, I don't think there was anything wrong with the charger it wouldn't let me start a charge by swiping my credit card so you had to start it with the app and the charger was in a dip where there was almost no Vodafone connection whatsoever. So, if they go into the hotel, get on their Wi-Fi, open up the app, and because I haven't used the app for a while, oh, it's got to send a code through to my email address. And no matter what I did, I tried so many times. There was such a delay between that message getting to BP Pulse yes you guys, I'm naming you and it getting delivered to the inbox of my email that by the time I inputted the authentication code it had expired it was taking like 25 minutes for an email to reach me just ultra frustrating and I know that wasn't a Vodafone thing because I was on the Wi-Fi at the hotel which was a pretty good connection I tested it so, yeah, the whole electric car recharging thing is still not without anxiety. And I definitely felt anxiety for the first time today. Every other opportunity either been straightforward or if I've got to a charger and there's someone there, I have to go to the next one. So it's been absolutely fine because there's always a next one now. I have options. Electric car users, we have options now. I was just thinking, owning an electric car or running an electric car isn't like windows okay or even mac okay bear with me on this if you've got a petrol or a diesel right you get in the car you go you drive you go to a filling station you fill up you go that's it now with linux there's always a lot more well you've got to configure this yourself or you need this add-on you know you have to be a bit more invested in computer apps and technology encoding to get the best out of Linux. I know that's a huge sweeping statement, but bear with me on this. And so, to get the best out of your electric car, you need to really be engaged with a whole number of facets, the sort of things that people don't think about when they're driving an internal combustion engine car. Take for example, while I was sitting here near Chester, charging up on the M56 actually, I met two people, three people actually, in the few minutes I was there. First one was a chap who tapped on my window. I just want to ask you about the car, he says. Because I've got one, on order, the same colour. So I gave him all the information that I hope I've given you on this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed. His name was tim i think was his name tim and he seemed really infused and was a real advocate he's had evs before was looking forward to this one i was very pleased to be able to recommend it because i think this is a good and sorted car however when he went a woman in a Peugeot electric car of some description turned up and said to me are you, are you going to be long And so I replied, In Welsh, of course, which slightly took her aback. I could just tell from her accent that she was from Gwynedd and was a proper Welsh speaker. So we had the conversation in Welsh. I said, I'm going to be about 10 minutes. But she decided to clear off somewhere else. So she's learned to be flexible, to go to the next one. But here's my observation about that. I'm not sure you need to do that if you get to a rapid enough charger and this car just charged from 40 to 92% in what must have been 25 minutes i didn't actually check that but my instinct says about 25 minutes and so nobody stays on rapid chargers very long so in the time it takes you to find another charger and hope that it's empty oh and that's another thing zap map do you use Zapmap? Zapmap's a great app for electrical car recharging, but it doesn't work with Android Auto anymore or Apple Air Play unless you subscribe to Zmap Plus or Zmap Premium. So I haven't been able to control any of my ZMAP use. Via the Android Auto screen, which means it's a bit of a lottery when I get to the charger I'm going to as to whether somebody's already on it or it's even functioning. You just can't get that information from the Google Maps thing that Android Auto offers. So I was slightly thwarted by that. But do you know what? If I owned this car, I would absolutely subscribe to ZapMap 40 quid a year, 49 quid a year, or something because that would really make things a bit more practical with this car especially if you're using charge points that you don't normally use ok, two final thoughts last one is uh, aw, hugs to the nice guy who I also met the last person at this charge point here who had a lovely eye pace and we were chatting and he was really fed up he said this is the last electric car I'm ever going to use I said why? So, I've had so many utter disasters, you know, where you get somewhere and the charger isn't working, or you get there and it takes much longer to charge, and I can't charge at home. I live in a grade 2 listed building. I could get permission to put a charger in, but it would take ages and be painful. He was really fed up. So, I just chatting to him about what I know about the physics of charging electric cars, and that wonderful adage that you've heard me say before, the best advice I was given with an electric car was... Charging electric cars like putting pencils in a wooden pencil box. You've got 100 pencils. The first 60 go in in an instant. And then the last 40 take eight times long because you've got to put them in individually. That's how charging an electric car works. And it slows down. I was getting 53 kilowatt charge when I first started this charge with GridServe, who now run the electric highway and it was a cracker. Easy to start, easy to connect, off it went at a good old charging rate, but it had slowed down to 30 and then to 20 when it got up to like 93%. So, you know, it's going to take you twice as long, three times, four times as long to get the same amount of mileage in. So with rapid chargers and cars that will charge quickly, and this poor chap with his eye pace didn't even know the maximum charge rate of his car. He wasn't interested. He didn't want to. So he's not like the Linux user, is he? He's not the Windows user or the Apple user. I don't want to think about that. I just want it to work. But he didn't have the time or the bandwidth or the desire, and that's completely all right. Everybody's different. Not everyone's as involved in cars as the people who listen to Gareth Jones on Speed are and are prepared to really lose themselves in the planning and the... Ed- Way that you adapt your life to make an electric car work, and I kind of like that. I like being involved. I care about cars, and I care about the planet. So I really am enjoying the electric car experience. It's not without the odd bit of anxiety, but you know what? If you don't take risks, you won't live longer. But it might feel like it. That's what they say. Hey, it's great to have MG back. The first cool MG in many years and i'm really pleased to be able to say that i'm wondering what the brand means to older people buy mg's to young people buy mg and have got no idea of the backstory does it even matter in this rapidly changing age when you get entirely new brands appearing and establishing themselves really quickly you know for young people a brand that's been around for three years has been there forever hasn't it you don't remember it a- appearing so i wish mg well it's a great car i had 215 miles of electrons in my cell on board the car and the journey home is some 201 miles so if i can find somewhere i can charge overnight nice and slow in stoke newington when i get home i'll just park up near the house put it on charging boom there you go but let's see how that goes it's part of the experience the thing is when you've got an electric car you do all these things once you debug them you're a member of every network you know the local chargers it's just us guys who dip in and out find it a little bit trickier but it's still interesting and I hope you find it interesting too thank you very much indeed for listening to Gareth Jones on speed and me exploring the wonderful MG4 and it is wonderful I'll give you that it's wonderful. See ya. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whiz Bang. Gareth Jones on Speed! Speed!